mindfulness mode. When it comes to money, especially, it's just having an idea of where you are and where you want to be in the future. Hey, Mindful Tribe, we're here today to talk about money. And money and mindfulness go together very often, as we've talked about before. And it'll be just so interesting to find out how our money expert today has an interest in mindfulness and how mindfulness plays a role in that. He's an author, he's a podcaster, he's a speaker, he's a financial counselor. He's just, it sounds to me like he's totally immersed in money. He's facilitated (laughs) thousands of personal finance workshops and one-on-one counseling sessions, helping consumers of all backgrounds and income levels get control of their finances, get out of debt, rebuild their credit, all of that kind of stuff. I'm here today with Todd Christensen. Todd, are you in mindfulness mode today? Let's be in mindfulness mode. I'm all for it. Good. Well, Todd, what does mindfulness mean to you, and especially when it comes to money? Mindfulness, for me, mindfulness is a way of being aware of of where you are, how you got there, and in my mind, where you're headed. It's it's about a plan and not just letting things happen, but uh, kind of a control. So when it comes to money, you know, uh, when I started uh, uh, my my career as a financial educator back in 2004, we all talked about budgets and budgets and people hate budgets. I don't know if you or uh, your listeners, when you hear the word uh, budget, the hair on the back of your neck kind of stands up and tingles. Totally. It's not really an exciting thing. So we called it a spending plan. And, and I think that actually gets to the idea that uh, it is, uh, we gotta be mindful about our money, plan what we're gonna do with it in the future, not just let life happen to us and react. Yeah, well, that makes sense. Yeah, so how did you get to this place where you became a money guy? <laughs> so I was I was actually, uh, had my own business doing, uh, of all things, appraising dental practices. It's not something you grow up thinking, I want to appraise dental practices when I'm a, you know, it was just, it was something that I had, I had connect, I made connections with some, uh, some friends and mentors. Uh, and, but we got, uh, my wife and I got married and we, um, had some kids and, and it was a feast or famine. I was in the middle of a famine. I said, I'll just, you know, I just, I need to plan. I need, uh, we need to get us through this for the next, um, contract to come through. And I started doing this. I found this and, and realized this is just the fulfillment of everything I love about cool. teaching. I always wanted to be a teacher. Didn't always want to work with, uh, you know, angry parents and great homework at midnight. Uh, and so this this has just been been perfect for me. Oh, that's cool. So then you've started a podcast. At least you yeah. do a podcast called right. The Money Fit Show. Tell us about the podcast because you've got a lot of episodes. Yeah. Yeah, when we started uh, back in 2021, uh, I started interviewing people from all uh, uh, professions, very a variety, and uh, just ask them, "Hey, well, what what does financial education look like where you are?" Uh, because I think uh, at the time I thought I, I I want everybody to understand that there's financial education opportunities everywhere, and had some wonderful conversations. Did about 20, uh, almost 30 episodes of that, and then we switched the format to interviewing people about their financial personal finance journeys because i wanted our listeners to find the motivation to make the changes in their life that they had been putting off and so i've been able to interview a lot of people about some really 
difficult things they went through, job loss, and uh, being um, pretty much, you know, not having a place to to call home almost, but um, and and losing businesses, being sued, and and being down to nothing, or being in hundreds of thousand dollars of debt, and the the journey that they took to get to the point where they said, okay, that's it. I'm going to take control of my own finances and let, and stop things from happening to me, but, and then start making a difference myself. So it's been really enjoyable. Uh, very inspiring for me as a guest, I get to talk to some wonderful people as, as, as you do. Sorry about today though, but, um, it's, it's just <laughs> been a, it's a great, uh, great opportunity to, to hear some fantastic stories. Yeah, it sure is. And, uh, well, money is a thing that, like, it means so many different things to so many different people, and, and there's a ton of anxiety connected to money. Yeah. So when it comes to mindfulness, how can we use mindfulness to let go of the anxiety that surrounds money? Yeah, stress, anxiety is there. Uh, and, and in fact, that's, that's probably the main reason most people just want to ignore it. They want to ignore money. They don't want to. Uh, they don't want to do a budget because they don't mm-hmm. want to look at how much money they have or don't have. They don't want to look mm-hmm. at their credit because they fear the worst. Um, they've had bad experiences. I mean, my I know what that's like. When I was uh, 21, mm-hmm. uh, call I'm in college and and they're you know you walk. This was uh, most colleges don't permit this anymore, but back in the um, um, 80s. You walk onto campus your first week, and there are banks and credit card companies giving out T-shirts and hats and frisbees and Nerf yeah. balls and all. Just sign up for a credit card. You don't need to use it. Oh, okay, no. just just for emergencies, right? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So I got I got my first credit card, <clears throat> and um, two thousand dollar credit limit, equivalent of about five thousand today, and I maxed it out in thirty six hours as soon as I got it. Wow, thirty-six uh, was, hours. You yeah. didn't waste any time. No, did I, you t- I knew I, the whole time I'm waiting for that. I'm like, I know what I'm going to go buy because I just thought it was more money. And um, and and to show you what a quick learner I was, uh, six months later I got a, a gas card uh, and was living across from that gas station. And I ended up buying bread and uh, soft drinks and chocolate donuts and everything. And I and I only went to a hundred percent of that in about three months. But uh, with all the fees, I was at, I was sixty percent over my limit. So I was wow. I hated I was I was very averse to thinking about money when I was in my twenties, and uh, it it it's all about just knowing where you are, because without it, our fears take over, and uh, you you do you assume the worst. I've had people come in to to do um, to to look at their credit, and they walk in, and just from their posture. They're, they're very closed and, and mm-hmm. fearful. And they I don't want to see it. I know it's bad. And nine times out of ten, it's not bad at all because they it's been mm-hmm. so long that they don't real and they didn't realize that things fall off and sure. And there's a huge relief. So knowing where you are and setting this kind of a roadmap to where you want to be, uh, in my mind, that's that's from being mindful with money and and relieving a lot of the anxiety because anxiety is our is our response to not knowing yeah 
Yeah. Well, you've written a number of books. I know you wrote one called Everyday Money for Everyday People, mm-hmm. and then you wrote another one, 50 Plus on Fire. Mm-hmm. Tell me about that one. 50 Plus on Fire, sure. Uh, so a, a couple of years ago, I, uh, I ran across, uh, it's called the FIRE Movement, which mm-hmm. stands for uh, uh, Financial Independence Retire Early. Okay. And it uh, started, uh, really got going back in the in the late 2000s, early 2010s. Um, mostly, but not all, but mostly young 20-somethings, 30-somethings who just are professionals and they hate their jobs mm-hmm. and they just, but they're making a lot of money and they just want to get out of what they're doing. And they, so it's all about saving, investing, um, you know, half or, or more of what they're earning so they can retire early and do whatever they want. And I, you know, I, I'm all for retiring early uh, as long as it's meaningful and uh, because a lot what 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 i've learned since is that a lot of these young people they do it and then they retire and then they don't know what to do next uh and uh but many most of them do but many of them don't have a plan but it was it was mostly for uh like i say those in their 20s and 30s and i and i thought you know there's there's plenty of us i started late that those those credit cards put me a, a more than a decade behind and uh, so I thought I, there are the, plenty of us in our 40s and even 50s who would still like to retire early, but um, don't know what to do or, or need to have that plan. And so it's, uh, that's what that book was about is ideas on how to um, control spending and in, get some you know, second incomes coming in and how to create um, options or, or uh, uh, channels of, of passive income. So if you still want to, to retire early, you can. Oh, that's cool. So when you do your personal finance workshops, what are some of the first things you say to people? Uh, the, you know, I, I can get right into budgeting. There's a lot of, a lot of financial educators that just that say the first thing you got to do is just get in there and let's see how much money you earn. Let's see how much money you're spending. And without this thing that goes at the very top of your budget, everything else is kind of pointless, literally uh, has mm-hmm. no meaning. You've got to put on your spending plan um, or your credit building plan, whatever it is, a plan is meaningless unless it has goals. What do you want to do? Why, why are you saying that you want to sit down for an hour a week or an hour a month or uh, for a few hours and put things so you can get things put on autopilot why do you want to spend all that time doing that if you don't haven't decided where you want to be? Where do you want it to take you? It really, is a journey. Um, it's not. There's no destination that you're going to finally get to and say, "Okay, money. I'm done with money. Everything's great." Because you will always need to be dealing with your money. And um, so, so setting that course, where you want the direction you want to head. And the great thing is, no matter where you are now, you can set that course. Uh, uh, you're gonna have you're gonna have setbacks, um, but as long as you turn back around, and you're heading backward in the direction you want. You, in my mind, you're you're financially successful. I'm really interested, Todd, about uh, some of the work you've done, and if you've noticed a pattern, is there a difference between men and how they deal with money, and women and how they deal with money? Have you noticed a pattern there? Uh, yeah. Well. Sure. There, there are a lot of uh, uh, differences between genders, between ages, 
between generations. Uh, but uh, we did a uh, put together a class 15 years ago uh, that we call spending by color. It's a spending personalities. We identified six different types of spending personalities. Uh, you know the, the the motivations behind why we spend, why we spend, and um, found that. Uh, they there were there were some differences between uh, men and women why we spend the way we do um the women's top most common personality spending personality was we call it responsibility spending in fact we assigned them colors so it's the yellow spending and it's all about uh, obligation making sure our, our money is going to all of our bills and and to taking care of our responsibility and so forth um and surprisingly and that was number one and number two for the women was uh, relationship spending spending on others particularly when they're in their uh, if they're if they're in a situation where they have children in the 30s that's it's like that's the number by far the number one spending on others and for men surprisingly the relationship spending just barely uh, beat out um, the responsibility spending that it's a uh, for for guys it was uh, more about spending uh, you know it, this, these are traditional roles. A lot, a lot of people still in those traditional roles. Hey, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a man at the house. I'm working to, to support uh, my family at home. Um, even though a lot of us may rather be on the slopes in the winter or uh, out at the yeah. lake in the, in the summer or up on the trails, whatever. But we, uh, that, that was, that's really surprising to a lot of people I talk to and when they hear about those results and that's, this was based on about 2000 different responses that we have. So it wasn't just a few. Um, uh, so that's, that's kind of one of the differences that we've seen. Um, but, uh, it, it, it's there, there can be personal finances can be so personal that it's, it otherwise can be really hard to, to generalize sometimes. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Well, the money fit show that your podcast that you do, uh, you mentioned you do this for a nonprofit. Tell mm -hmm. us about that. Sure. Uh, money fit is a uh, consumer credit counseling agency. We founded, uh, back in 1996. It's a, it's not a government agency. Uh, it's a, uh, private nonprofit, which just means that there's no owners. There's, there's a board of directors that's, uh, basically in charge. And then the executives who run the company, um, uh, so it, we're not, it's so, you know, a lot of people think, oh, nonprofit, uh, you're all volunteers. That's, that's not the case for most nonprofit agencies. So it's, I've been employed there since 2003. What we do is we traditionally consumer credit counseling agencies will help people who are over their head in consumer debt, in mm -hmm. collection agency and collection accounts in medical debt, credit cards, store cards, um, any, pretty much any kind of debt except like a home loan, a car loan, or maybe even a student loan. And uh, we work with their current creditors to have them give concessions, lower their interest rates, 0%, 2 5 8% maybe, so that they can get out of debt with the same creditors. It's not a refinance, not a new loan. Get out of debt with the same creditors in five years or less at much less uh, and paying much less interest and, and at better monthly payments usually. So that's that's how consumer credit counseling agencies work, and uh, it, it we help put a, together a budget for the individual, so that they they do they they now have uh, much more information that they can um, control their own finances going forward. 
Well, nowadays, there are a lot of people that get into debt because of scams. There are mm. so many people that have been scammed out of huge, massive amounts of money. Is this a lot more prevalent than it used to be? I'm thinking it definitely is, but I want to hear from you about these scams. Yeah, it, it, it is uh, just because we are so much more uh, active online that opens us up to so many more um, scammers and fishers and and uh, uh, spear fishers, people who are, will look at getting information from us so that they can um, log into our own accounts and, and do other things. But uh, yeah, I've, I've talked with a, a number of people over the years about some of the scams they've been in. And surprisingly, people still fall for the Nigerian Prince scam or for the Jamaican lottery or the Canadian lottery scams. Um, and in fact, my first... Uh, three episodes of, of my podcast. I spoke with a gentleman who um, was uh, is 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 with the Better Business Bureau in our in our area, and did a lot of research on um, consumer behaviors. And one of the things he talked about is this is sunk cost theory that people get scammed, and it's a mistake, and they lose twenty bucks. Or they, or, or, or they say, you know, it's only twenty dollars. I might, be, it might actually be real, if, if it's a Canadian lottery or, or a Jamaican lottery. It might, it's just twenty bucks. And I, and pretty soon the person is asking for another fifty, and we say, oh, well, I'm in it for twenty. It's just another fifty. Well, now that I have seventy dollars in it, I'm going to see this through. You know, one hundred and fifty, and pretty soon they're, they're sending thousands of dollars. And I remember speaking with one couple. Um, he actually had had a, a traumatic brain injury and uh, you wouldn't know it. He mm -hmm. nice, uh, just a wonderful guy. Uh, but he, he had difficulty um, with kind of impulse uh, stopping impulse. And his wife said, had was coming into me in tears. Just, you know, what do we do? It's, I don't know what to do. Cause he keeps sending, he's, he's sending our, his entire retirement check every month to this scam that he thinks he's got two uh, uh three million dollars coming from jamaica and we tell him and i and i and so it does happen and uh so it's a matter of i don't know it, the, the whole idea that we can we're going to get something for nothing mm -hmm. um comes from again from the idea that well my finances are out of control so i might as well take a chance uh, so people who are not, who are playing the lottery or who are t uh, falling for these scams quite often will uh, will be the same ones who just don't feel like they have any control over their, their own finances and the systems against them. So um, might as well take a, take a chance and see what happens. Uh, and, and it does not end well. No, it's sad. Mm -hmm. It's really sad. And I think nowadays uh, it seems as though there are more people suffering from mental health conditions and you know, I mean, people have suffered through the pandemic. Do you feel that that has affected uh, people's money scenarios a lot? Well, uh, we see, we've seen uh, uh, changes in our company on people who are coming to us, you know, whether that's pandemic related or, uh, you know, directly or the economy or what, but we see, we've had a lot more people coming to us with short-term loans that uh, uh, they they turn to payday loans or to um, on online finance loans where interest rates are uh, if you're lucky 50 percent 
APRs versus payday loans where they might be 100 to 200 to 400, 800% interest rates. And, uh, and, and they don't have one or two, they often have five or six or eight. Uh, I mean, I've, I know we've, we've helped uh, some, some clients. I remember having, hearing, overhearing one who had over 20 payday loans out at one time. And I, I mean, I just couldn't imagine the anxiety and the, and the, the, the frustration that would go with that kind of lifestyle where you're just running from one, one lender to just to get a new loan at, with additional fees to cover another lender. Um, yeah, I, I, I would, I know, I mean, we know that, that the pandemic has, uh, has affected, um, a large portion of the population that, uh, struggles, uh, that we're in inside our homes a lot more. We don't go out as much, but we order in a lot more and uh, we order online and, and ordering online can be um, even more financially dangerous than walking into a store with a pocket full of cash because cash is gone. You can't spend anymore, but online you got a credit card hooked up to your wallet or two credit cards or three credit cards. Mm-hmm. Or these these new uh, I don't know if you if, if you heard about these new buy now pay later apps. Um, oh, I have heard a yeah. little about that. Tell us about that. Yeah, they're uh, they'll advertise themselves as oh, it's just like um, layaway, except the reality is it's not nothing like layaway. It's exact opposite of layaway. Layaway was they put it aside, you come up with the money, and then you buy it. Buy now pay later is the exact exact opposite. You get to buy it now at the store. And then make four equal payments. No, and they say, well, there's no interest involved. That's great. But human nature is anytime you make something more convenient to buy, you're going to buy more of it. And so uh, not surprisingly, and and these really took off um, at the uh, the end of 2020, early 2021. Mm -hmm. um, As we were starting to come back out in in public and going out to the stores again, by the so that was early 2021 and by the fall of 2021 about one in three users of buy now pay later apps were were already making late payments and uh, some of those will get reported to credit bureaus and will cause problems uh others would go to collections which again would then turn around and hurt your credit and uh we it's when when we make it easier to, and more convenient to spend money, we we do. We, we spend more money. That's human nature. Well, so many sites online do that now, and I yeah. don't know if Amazon is one of them. I think it is. Where you know you go to buy something for fifty dollars, and it says, "Oh, why don't you pay in four equal payments?" Yeah, it's like exactly. really. That's exactly <laughs> right. And and you hear stories of people who who will get themselves into three, four, five thousand dollars of uh, these kind this kind of debt. By putting putting them on these small monthly payments, four monthly payments, um, for clothing, and you know, right. it, it just because it's so easy. Oh, it's I can just t- make a small payment now, uh, and you know, yeah, pay, uh, PayPal is getting into it, and and uh, the, and banks are starting to to uh, develop the same things. So I, it's, it's it's something to be very mindful of, be aware of it. And don't just do it because everybody else is doing it because there are definitely some drawbacks to it. 
Oh, for sure. Todd, you've worked with a lot of people. I know you do a lot of one-on-one counseling and everything else, but do you have a story you can share with us about maybe a situation or something that pops into your head that's like, oh my gosh, this was just, this is something that you could share. I know that a lot of it is confidential, but do you have something you can share with us? Uh, so of somebody of, of a situation where I've, I've, I've been working with somebody through. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I, a lot of the people I work with, um, maybe very low income mm-hmm. and some of them are, are, are the, the surprising aspect is, is what they're able to do, even with very low income. I, I, there's, there's a gentleman that, uh, I mean, I, I, I pretty much consider him a friend. When I when I hear his voice or I hear him on the line, I'm like, "Hey, how you doing? So good to talk to you again." Um, because when he came to us, he's he's on a fixed income uh, disability, and he was renting, and and this was a good ten years ago. Uh, and he thought, you know, I heard that I might be able to buy a home, so we started working with building his credit because his credit was really challenged and came up with some ideas on how to, how to do that without going into debt. And we worked, I worked with him for a couple of years um, and got him in touch with the housing authority that had some great programs. And he's had his own home now for five years, six years and referred his parents to buy homes who are also low income. And, and, uh, He'll call every once in a while. Hey, I got a friend who um, is struggling with this, that, and and it, so it's just really uh, fulfilling to know that when somebody's struggling. I mean, you think, you know, how do you survive on eight hundred to a thousand dollars a month um, and buy a home? I mean, there are programs out there that it's 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 inspiring, but it's also I also know that you know I I saw him once uh, every. Early on, it was probably about once a month we were talking, and then about every three or four months. But in between that time, I know he was he was thinking about it every day, and he was focused on it. And um, so the, the 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 abilities uh, of human determination are sometimes endless. Totally, that's a really uplifting story, Todd. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really yeah. really impressed because, yeah, that must make you feel amazing to have helped somebody like that, and then in turn yeah. helping their whole family. Yeah, it is. Like I say, you know, when I when I started doing this 20 years ago, and I thought it was just going to be a, a, a couple of months, and I and I get into this, and I, I thought I I'm gonna, this is the sort of thing that I can do for the rest of my life, and and know that I'm going to sleep very well at night, for and. Sure. Um, when I run into to people that I've, I've worked with, you know, somebody else had gone through bankruptcy. And so you think, Oh, that's gotta be a tough time to work with somebody going through bankruptcy. And, um, and cause it's one of the most difficult things pe- people ever go through and they have to go to a course and we, we provide those. And I, I was teaching a class at a local hospital. Uh-huh. Uh, they had me come in for their staff and do some uh, budgeting and credit building. And at the end of one of the classes, uh, one of the ladies stuck around and said, I don't know if you remember, but I was at your, I went through this two hour class two years ago with you. And I thought I'd let you know that my husband and I just bought a new home and uh, at decent rates. And so we thought we, we thought it was going to be 10 years before or 20 years before we we're going to be able to home homeowners again. And, um, and so, yeah, it was exciting all, all the way back to the office and, uh, and never said that's, that's exciting to hear that kind of stuff. Oh, totally. 
It's very exciting. Todd, on my show, I always ask a question about bullying. And mm-hmm. I don't know whether you've got a story, maybe from childhood, maybe from adulthood, maybe from the work you do about bullying where mindfulness would have made a difference. You know, I, I, I was thinking about this. Um, and there, the, the story that I would have, and, and it's one that is not something that I've, I've shared much with others, but we had, there were some friends when we were in probably third, fourth grade. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is this, uh, that um, there was, we noticed there were four or five kids that were going to a, a bus, catching a bus. They'd come to our school and then catch another bus to another school and they'd have to wait around for 15, 20 minutes. And uh-huh. um, because they were there and they were not part of our group, they were different. Right. And um, it led to fights. Uh, just, just for a week or so. And I can't remember how it all ended up, uh, that, that, that didn't. Um, and, uh, it was something that mindfulness, you know, if we had even stopped to think that these are kids just going to another school and they, they, they live in our neighborhoods mm-hmm. and, um, the fear that some of them may have, when, when we started seeing some, they started seeing fights, just waiting for a bus. Um, yeah. trying to mind their own business, uh, the fear that they must have had to come to school. Uh, it, it hurts. Yeah. Um, one positive out of that is one of the kids that I remember and I, uh, uh, we, he ended up coming to our school three years later and became one of our, one of our best friends, you know, you know, but then again, you know, then he's part of our group. Uh, so it's just a matter of, if we had considered them part of our, our, uh, some sort of group and just as we can with everybody, it's, uh, we can connect with everybody, but that's a, it's kind of a shameful time in my, uh, my childhood, but, uh, um, hopefully that was one of the only or, or a few times that I can, uh, I can ever say that that was a rough, rough time for me. Well, thanks for sharing that. And yeah, it is so important just to realize like, Hey, wherever you look, people are just, trying to get by people are just trying to figure life out right yeah and money is a big part of that yeah uh you know they they, i'm assuming that for example they they were not being bused to another school because of choice they it was it was probably a parent parent decision or a program decision whatever it was but we just took that as uh, somebody's different from us um you know back then we just said oh we're just being kids but uh, yeah, sure. That's yeah. That's that's not something that uh, that I, I proud of, or that uh, I, I help, hope we can help our own kids understand that and and avoid that uh, that cycle. Yeah, and as we, you know, just just hearing you tell that story and be so vulnerable to to be willing to share that story, it just reminds us, no matter who we are, to look at other people and realize that they are just people too and yeah. everybody has got their own struggles of one kind or another and yeah. and it's just really important to have some empathy yeah empathy critical i agree yeah it is as we move forward in the interview i want to ask you five quick answer questions okay Todd. so the f- <laughs> first one is this who is one person who has been a powerful mindfulness influence in your life I had a mentor that, uh, in fact, that, that business I was mentioning is, is his name is Larry. Uh, he taught me how to uh, approach everyday uh, business. Um, 
in a very simple but direct way. Uh, mm-hmm. So I consider him my mentor in, in professional life. Cool. Uh, number two, it's about emotions. How have you found that mindfulness has helped you deal differently with your emotions? Whenever I am uh, mindful of what I'm, where I'm at and where I'm going, I always feel more empowered and uh, less, uh, I, I, the anxiety is just not there. Mm-hmm. In fact, there's a little more of excitement and, uh, and energy to actually get, get where I want to be. Oh, that's good. Well, you seem like a pretty relaxed and chill kind of guy, but do you have any comments about breathing and how breathing oh, okay. can help people and especially people who have got anxiety that is related yeah. to money? Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm actually a big believer in breathing. Um, it's how I fall asleep at night. Uh, I, there was a time when I, I, I would sit in bed and I'd, if I get really anxious or, or nervous, or if there's something going on the next day, I would just focus on the standard breathing, you know? And mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever saw the movie, I think it was Karate Kid 2, and uh, where he, he learns how to breathe in, breathe out before yes, he I did breaks this block of ice. And I just thought, that's, that's, that's kind of goofy. It's just a Hollywood thing. And I, I remember thinking, I'm just gonna breathe like And that was the first time I ever started focusing on breathing. And, um, yeah, uh, for me, uh, you know, everybody has their moments of, of uh, anxiousness or uh, nervousness. And, um, you know, when I play the piano, whether it's a, a for a, in front of a church or for or, uh, whatever, I, I have to remember if I don't breathe, my leg starts to sh- starts to bounce up and down like that. I don't need that uh, going on. But yeah, so I'm, I'm a big believer in breathing properly. Oh, Mindful well, breathing. For sure. And interesting to know you're a piano player because I am too. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah love it. That's love interesting. It. Yeah. And uh, well, your book, your most recent book, I think is 50 plus on fire. So mm-hmm. Mindful Tribe, check out the book by Todd Christensen, 50 plus on fire. Do you have any other books that you would recommend on yeah. the topic of mindfulness? Yeah. When it comes to money, and I think this is huge because I was, I was thinking, oh, but there's no mindful money. There are some books that actually have the word mindfulness in it. But my my favorite, uh, and it made a huge difference in the way I approach finances, is is uh, it's been around for 25 years. It's called The Millionaire Next Door. Oh, yeah. And I, you know, a lot of people heard of it. And it's basically a couple of professors that did a survey about um, very successful financial people, not people who are just making a lot of money or spending a lot of money, but those who have built uh, wealth, long-term wealth. And they find that they are not the ones, the mindful spend, uh, just mindless spenders. Like uh, we we tend to see uh, when we're 20s and 30s on TV or um, that we focus, oh, I want to be a millionaire so I can spend all this money. That's mindless spending. Millionaire expert makes it very clear that they are very mindful with their money. In fact, their spouses are even more mindful with their money. Typically, they they credit their spouses with being um, very mindful. very focused on managing their money. Uh, and that's that's one of the reasons why they say they've been able to build their wealth. Interesting. The Millionaire Next Door. Yep. So yeah, I'll have to check. I've heard the book, heard of the book, but I have not read it. So And there's there's the Millionaire Mind and the next Millionaire Next Door that just came out a couple of years ago just and it reconfirmed this whole notion that it was not a fluke of the nineteen nineties, but it's it's true. Interesting. Are there any apps? that you would recommend, whether for mindfulness or money or a combination of the two? 
you know, I just, I, I think the app that I use, it helps me stay on track and focus is, is, is just what I have on my, on my wrist. It, uh, I set reminders on there, uh, that, that come up, uh, you know, I'm surprised it hasn't done it here while we're talking about, you know, it's time to do, do some pushups and, and some squats and a few things just to keep myself focused because I'm sitting all day long or, uh, uh, you know, it wakes me up and, it, and they just, just the, just the reminders and the, and uh, make sure it's showing me how I'm doing health wise. Okay. So push-ups and squats are important to you in your life to kind of keep, keep yourself focused. I, and- I try to do, I try to do about three or four sets of them uh, a day just to, to keep me going. Have you done that for a long time? No, I mostly since uh, I've been, I've been working. Um, well, even before I started working remotely in 2021. Uh, but yeah, I, as, as, probably about the last five years. Um, I've tried to do a lot more just uh, basic calisthenics just to keep my, Mm -hmm. keep my heart pumping. Um, and I'm better at it sometimes than I am at others. Uh, but, uh, generally that's, that's all I need is just get that going. And that's all a lot of us need. And we just, we just need to keep reminding ourselves. And like you say, you know, you you can use an app to do that. Otherwise the day's over and it's like, oh, I didn't do that. I'll do it tomorrow. You know, yeah, (laughs) Yeah. so easy. I am a huge believer in routine and that's uh, just anything that, that reminds you. I have a, I have an Alexa, um, a dot here right in front of me and in front of the screen that it will remind me. Uh, or that I'll set a reminder. Hey, uh, don't forget to jump on the on the podcast interview about five minutes before the podcast. Because I don't know about you, but I have missed podcast interviews because I get so busy and everything else. So I, I just need those those uh, those that assistance to say, hey, don't forget you got something else to do in life. Oh, I do too. And we've got so many uh, tools that can help us do that. It's just that we have to kind of get used to using yeah. the tool yep. and make sure. Yeah, make sure that that's working for us. Yeah. yeah. So as we wrap up the interview, do you have any final words of advice for somebody that might be listening today thinking, you know, I don't feel as though mindfulness is really much of part of my life and I have these money issues. What would your words of advice be? Um, I, I would probably say for some people, they might have a very narrow definition in their mind of mindfulness. They might it might be uh, that they, they picture that they have to be sitting, you know, crisscross applesauce on a, on a yoga yeah. mat or something. And, and uh, that's, that's not when it comes to money, for, especially it's just having an idea of where you are and where you want to be in the future, being intentional about what you want to do with money, because otherwise your money will go wherever the marketers tell you they you should send it. You, everybody's buying this, and so we're going to do that. Rather than if you have an idea where you want your own money to go, you can just say, no, nope, that's not where I'm going to spend my money. Um, so that's, for me, is making that commitment to where you want to be financially and, uh, and why it's important to you. And it, it empowers you to be able to say no. Well, Todd, thanks for that advice. And thanks for talking to us today on Mindfulness Mode about the mindfulness of money. I really appreciate it. It's so, been my pleasure. I appreciate it, Bruce. Yeah, all the best to you. Bye now. Thank you. 
Hey, Mindful Tribe, thanks for listening to the episode today with Todd Christensen. I want to thank my sponsor, Athletic Greens, and I will ask you this question, Mindful Tribe. Are you a person who really, really cares about your health and your immune system? I'm guessing the answer is yes, since you're here listening to Mindfulness Mode. Well, you know what? It doesn't matter if you are dairy-free or gluten-free or, you know, whatever your eating pattern is. It does not matter. This product put out by Athletic Greens is a product that has no GMOs, no terrible chemicals or artificial ingredients. It supports better sleep and better alertness. And Athletic Greens uses the best products based on the latest science and it costs less than $3 a day. So the product that they've created is called AG1. And if you buy this product using my affiliate link, you will get a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs of AG1 with your first purchase. And using this affiliate link, that will help me with my show. And it will also, you know, provide you with with this product. And so I really suggest you check it out. There's over five, no, not five. There's over 7,000 five-star reviews. And and this product is trusted by so many people. Check out those reviews like I did. And it's very inspiring. So, you know, go to that website where you can... uh, get my special offer the link is athleticgreens.com slash mindfulness so with that take what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm focus and happiness stay in the mode